Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech. This is the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Our podcast uses an interview format with industry and academic leaders and is intended for analytics-interested business professionals from the U.S. and beyond. Thank you again for listening to the Analytics Buzz. With us today, we have Navarda Smith, and we're talking about analytics throughout the innovation lifecycle. Welcome to the Analytics Buzz, Navarda. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's start off with um, a little bit of background on you. Tell us why you're so cool. Um, I think it's uh, because what I've been doing in the past is driving towards things that were innovative from the start, not knowing that that's the terminology that we uh, utilize to drive those uh, particular innovations forward. So I started off my career as a developer uh, working for an organization that had a huge data set and uh, it, it made decisions on how to improve uh, the running of big machinery, so coal mining and things like that. Uh, so when to do uh, maintenance, how to do that maintenance. Uh, the, the slogan for that company was a 50 cent O-ring caused $100 million in damages because when the O-ring went, the oil dropped out and the machine broke down. Hmm. Um, and then I started to do things with uh, a small in, uh, mobile applications for um, using the paging network to send data backwards and forwards before we had any way to communicate with laptops on the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, That brought me to America and uh, moved into the healthcare space and uh, really got a passion for helping people in the healthcare space to make sure that they're staying on their chronic care tracks. Uh, I do a lot with uh, healthcare at at, uh, ATDC as well. Oh, very cool, very cool. Okay, and tell us about your current role. Uh, my current role, my full-time role is with a company called Bridge2 Solutions. Uh, we just uh, got a patent approved, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later. And um, what I do there is I run the innovation channel. So I take a look at the customer data sets that we've got. I, I look at pain points. I look at drop-off points that are, that are going on from a customer perspective. And I, I take a look and bring those into a challenge in the innovation process to drive customer value forward so that we can see not only what the customer's telling us they want, but also what the data set's telling us that they want. Uh, on top of that, I'm a CTO for DocSnap. Um, we're working on transforming, transforming data to align with uh, the, the mandates around healthcare interoperability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that company's going well as well. Uh, so they, again, uh, just landed a deal with the largest uh, data set provider. Um, can't mention who that is yet until the contracts are signed, uh, but we'll be looking at how to improve the chronic care tracks for them, so diabetes management, emphysema, and things like that. So taking a look at the data sets to intervene uh, before those people actually end up going into emergency rooms, which is what we want to try to avoid. Yeah, yeah, not real, not a real big fan of that. Yeah. Of all the areas, um, application areas of, of how data is uh, getting used or um, driving decision-making. I love seeing the applications in healthcare. Are you finding that that's um, one of your, it seems like that's one of your, as long as I've known you, that's been sort of like your passion? Yeah, so um, I think it's about trying to help the end user and help that person uh, with, you know, trying to keep them healthy, right? Mm -hmm. So the the medical system can control these uh, chronic care tracks and that's really where my passion lies. Mm Uh, before I actually got into health insurance and healthcare itself, I was on the pharmaceutical side as well and taking a look at how do I get the drugs to the people the quickest for the lowest possible cost 
Uh, so I was working with uh, Aetna Specialty Pharmacy who do, do all the haemophilia drugs. So again, chronic care, any chronic care tracks that were trying to look after people who without these drugs basically have problems. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, so we're, you're the kind of innovation person more than the um, analytics person, which I, f- I find intriguing because there's so many applications within innovation. So let's kind of set the stage with, you know, when when you think about innovation, a lot of people think in different terms about how that might work. And tell us about the um, innovation funnel that you typically use and why it's important. And, yeah. and then we can maybe walk through the phases. Yeah, so the, the innovation funnel itself puts a process around trying to drive new functionality and new products to the market. Uh, and it really marries up really closely with the analytics side because the analytics is what's going to drive that customer value and tell us where those pain points are or those customer challenges are happening. Mm-hmm. And that's where it all starts. Um, I've talked about in the past uh, on, on podcasts and so on about where we, if we don't understand the customer and we don't understand delivering them value, we're going to lose that customer themselves. And how we start off the innovation process is actually take a look at a data set, understand that customer and drive a uh, set of customer personas forward. And that's really the first part, which is the ideation phase, is getting to know your customer and creating these personas uh, that uh, you can analyze to determine what it is that Sally needs or Robert needs or Paul or whatever you've named your personas are. So you really get intimate with that customer and then you start to try things and get it out to the market really quickly so you can get that customer feedback. And that's where the alignment is. And without analytics, you're basically throwing darts at a wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So how did the innovation process work before we had all this data? Um, I think... uh, was this we, where the golden gut came in? <laughs> yeah, no. I think I think what actually used to happen is that there's a lot of innovation process out there, and everyone uses some form of it, of an innovation funnel. It doesn't matter whether you're a Home Depot, or Delta, or an Anthem, or whoever. Um, and they call the fu- parts of the funnel different things, but they all follow the same type of track. It's about reducing the risk mm. uh, and getting that product out the door as fast as possible, so you can continue to gather further analytics on that on on the customer and actually get that feedback that you need to know that you're on the right track before mm-hmm. that process, you would work with an SME and whatever the SME said the functionality needed to be, mm-hmm. it actually, they would drive it forward. I, an example of that is we weren't allowed to release a product. It was a brand new product until we provided this p- specific piece of feature, which was very, very expensive to build. It nearly cost us $400,000 to build that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there was no way of knowing what the minimum viable product was because we couldn't go to market until we, re- we did everything. So 18 months had passed and the market had actually moved on. Mm-hmm. Other people had entered the market because they were quicker to the market. Mm-hmm. And this $400,000 piece of software addition functionality that we utilized turned out to be the lowest utilized piece. Got it. So again, you need that. You need to have that analytics back. You need to not be just trusting an SME that thinks he knows what the market is. Right. You need to also go back to basics too and interview those customers and have that feedback coming back with those customers themselves. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it, cool. So um, we talked about the different types of stages for innovation, at least the, the format that you use or what you consider to be the, the funnel stages. Um, if we could, let's walk through some of those and maybe you can give us some ideas about um, how does data help in each of these. I think we, we had, if I wrote down in my notes here, that we had ideation, define, measure, 
analyze, implement, and control. Um, yeah. Do you want to highlight any in particular? You want yeah, to go so through? We'll, I'll run through them sure. and show you where the uh, analytics is important and how it's important. Mm -hmm. But at the top level, it's the ideation. That's collecting all of the ideas uh, that are specifically against customer uh, values that you're trying to drive towards. Uh, so that's the intake of the funnel. So tons and tons of ideas come in there. Normally you run a, a, an idea challenge. Um, you put a the challenge based on the data set that you've got. So maybe you're trying to uh, solve a particular problem. Let's talk diabetes management. Um, we're, we're noticing this set of data mm -hmm. uh, is driving to this set of patient who if they don't take their I'm just making this up, but let's say we find a pattern that shows that if they take their tablet at midnight, right. it is now causing three days later them to go into the emergency room. We, that might be an insight and it's totally fabricated. But right, right. Um, if we find an insight like that, then we can take an idea challenge and get all the ideas of, well, how do we solve that? Ah, gotcha. And that's the ideation process itself. And it really starts again with those customer personas that we, we constantly iterate on and improve. Um, so how do we keep that diabetes management out there? We create Stella. Stella would be a diabetes patient. She might be 34, 35 years old. Um, she's not too good about taking her medication on time. She's not getting her prescriptions filled. And she's a chronic readmitter to mm. the emergency room. Mm -hmm. So we will take her and we will solve that problem for her. Uh, so all those ideas will come in. Maybe someone comes up with an idea to say, hey, let's create a mobile application that's going to continually to remind her until she does it. Maybe we work with a company called Proteus that's got the chip inside of the pill so we know she's taken it. Oh, wow. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of... But in, it's the data that identified that we needed something, yeah. and that's where that stimulates sort of the, okay, what are we going to do about this exactly. kind of session? And, that's awesome. And, and so as that starts, then you basically you vote on those things. There's tools out there. One's ideascale.com. They allow you to put all those ideas in and the entire organization chips in and says, okay, we know we've got this problem, how do we solve it? And then they start to look at ways of solving that and vote those ideas up. And so the best ideas will go to the top and that's when you take them through to the next phase of the process, which is really the define phase. And that's that's where the, the analytics also come in because they want to start to in inject data points as well. Uh, so we want to be collecting those new data points to say, is this particular product that we're putting out actually going to be used, utilized correctly? What are the drop-off rates of that? What are the adoption rates of that? And typically what we do in the define phase is actually take a look at the, the adoption itself of two ways of implementing. So we may have a piece of functionality. Let's, let's take the example we had before. We're, we've got a reminder that they need to take the medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, we might release to a subset of our current users, let's say, um, Facebook does 10,000. We may not have 10,000. But let's say we take 100 and we release a particular product in a specific way to that uh, set of users and then we'll implement it slightly differently. So maybe it's a, a vibration on a phone that is a good way to remind them. Maybe it is a integration with their um, insulin pump or whatever, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we look at the two ways that they're going forward. Now, as we release those to the market, to those subsets, now we've got a set of A-B testing that we can compare. Which one was the best adoption? Which ones resulted in lower admittance to the, to the emergency room? Mm -hmm. And then we can use that to continually improve. So we only release those features that are actually on track and making a difference in the space. So with the, the, with the healthcare people, it's it's getting them to stay on their chronic care track and, and, and staying on the medications that they need. Right, right. 
Um, really, then it moves on to the measurement phases, right? Which is okay. Now we've 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 understood that this is the right way to implement this piece of functionality. Mm -hmm. The data set that we've been collecting has been telling us that. How do we measure it in the wider market? So now we push it out to the market to get the feedback from the market. And that's I would imagine that that's um, probably a comparison thing, right? You might look at option A, option B, option C, and do some testing that way. Yeah, normally it's A B testing that we do, and mm -hmm. then we continue with whichever one wins. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, it's an iterative approach, right? So what did we learn from that? Mm -hmm. uh, are we still seeing a, a drop-off? Is there a new Stella that we have to create? Because mm -hmm. now we've identified based on the data sets that are coming back that there's a Stella and then there's maybe a Jane who looks like Stella, but she's she's all of the interaction that we did with her with the particular product didn't change her behavior. Ah, oh, gotcha. So now we have to go, how do we solve her behavior based on the data set? So we might tweak some stuff and it might be as simple as, taking, uh, making it less intrusive for that individual, right? Mm -hmm. um, it might be, well, Stel, well, Jane needs five notices before she's going to take a medicine. So give her those constant opportunities. Just don't tell her once. Right. Keep, say, have you taken it? Have you taken it? Have you taken it? Cause, right, right. You know, but that, you can tell by the data who needs what mm -hmm. kind of interaction um, in order to encourage the outcome that you want, which in this case would be taking the meds. Exactly. And in, in that particular case, everybody's different with the medications mm -hmm. tracks. And we can actually have the software adapting based on the type of person you are, oh, right? Mm -hmm. And not only that, we can make real-time decisions. That's one of the, the downsides we've got right now is that the data sets are so big and the analytics that are running over them take 24 hours to run. Right. Um, and by that time, you, you, you can't engage that particular customer very quickly. So what you want to do is make those real-time decisions. Mm -hmm. How are you behaving on this track? And if, you're, if you are truly a stellar, then mm -hmm. we'll keep you on that one. If you're a Jane, we're going to tweak a little bit based on who you are and then what the analytics are telling us. We might even A-B test that user. It's not working well on the A track, let's move them across to the B track and see if that improves things. Right, I'm wondering too if um, if the data was available and you could get specific enough to the to the exact user, not even personas, but down to the exact user. Yeah, and that's the goal, right, is to get that real-time feedback and then adapt. The software needs to adapt to that user. Mm -hmm. it's, n it's never a one a one size fits all. all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Especially in healthcare. Right, no, I get it. Um, so does that bring us to the implement? Yeah, so, um, you know, we talked a lot about the analyzation that happens along the process. You know, I kind of mixed the uh, the measuring and the analyzation together. But you, you, you want to make sure that the data set that you're collecting and that, that's been injected, those those points of, uh, those metric points are being collected. Mm -hmm. And you want to continue to expand those metric points. And you want to over-collect data too because you never know when there's going to be an insight that comes out of that data set as well. Um, well, that's another emphasis on what you were talking about with mm -hmm. the iterative process. Exactly. Don't go into this thing thinking that you're going to be able to collect, get an answer, and then go do something. It sounds like it's sort of a rehashing, redrilling, reevaluating mm -hmm. um, kind of process. Yeah, and the, and the whole idea here is to, to take something small that can be implemented very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. This whole innovation process, if you... Um, is measured in a matter of weeks, not mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. So typically when I take when I kick off a challenge, you have something going into production. If you've got an existing application, you have something going into production within three, four weeks. Got it. So you can get again. You've you've tested it in the pilot and you've known which direction you're going to take. You've also done earlier on the process as well some customer interviews to make sure that you're on the right track. Google Ventures Design Sprint is a fantastic way to do that, mm -hmm. is to just, you basically build a prototype in a week, mm -hmm. and then at the end of the week, which is a Friday, you have those interviews with the customer. That's something that we, that 
we find is very, very important as well. It's not just what the data set says because we're not always collecting everything we need to collect. Yeah. It's also what did the qualitative analysis tell you when you interviewed that customer. Uh-huh. Um, so that's important too because that's also going to tell you what other data you should be collecting. Right, yeah, um, so builds with, kind of a parking lot. Exactly. Easily. So without that, you know, you're, you're missing a big chunk and you may continually try things. So it's important to talk to the customer as well. And then implementation is really, okay, this is working. We released the, the B side to it or maybe, as we talked about before, we have an A for Stella and a B for, for Jane and mm-hmm. That's the tracks we put those people on, constantly monitor those. And that's where control comes in, right? It's what it, what's the data set telling you now? And more importantly, has the market changed? Yeah. Has yep. the demographic changed? And therefore, the data set is changing. So looking for those patterns and those insights inside the data as well. Mm-hmm. And that's really the implementation and control is to continually bring things back through that funnel again. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the problems that I see with... Uh, this industry of analytics right now is that everybody gets thrown into a room and nobody knows really what to do with those people and said, well, there's a data. Tell us what you need to do, right? Tell us what we should be doing. And what these innovation funnel processes do is is put put them in a a delivery track so that they've got to release something. Now, it doesn't have to be right. In Mm -hmm. fact, I'd much rather fail in three or four weeks for something that we've tried and determined it wasn't a good idea than to have gone and built the $400,000 piece of functionality only to find out the market never wanted it in the first place. Right, right. right. So fast, fail fast, get that feedback, continue to collect that data and continue to look for insights and, and model those uh, those customers themselves, those customer personas. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, now, as far as... Um Implementation, and what I mean by that is not implementation in the in the in the form of the stages, but implementation of bringing data to the innovation process. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to know: is that um, a barrier um, culturally speaking, or is it more we're thirsty for data and just give it to us, and we're going to definitely use it? Because I would imagine that there is a certain muscle that you get used to using in innovation projects that involves like, oh, my creative side and we're not saying ter- it sounds like to me tell me if i'm wrong but there's a very organic component because you talk about human judgment throughout each of these processes and that data is just a support function mm-hmm. for that so it's not about turning that off but it is about modifying the way the innovation happens do you see resistance for that i think um it the resistance is the fact that you've normally got an enterprise group yes and then you've got you know, this group of innovation people and the, even the analytics people and they're kind of off to the side and they're seen as the, you know, the golden groups, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so the enterprise side as they start when a large organisation starts to try to implement the stuff and we need their help because typically you don't have a lot of programmers in those groups. Mm-hmm. You need their, their help to actually make that implementable at the scaled level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you'll see there is you'll see abrasion. So mm-hmm. how I, I deal with that is at the right at the front of the innovation funnel, I'm looking at the whole organisation to solve that particular problem mm-hmm. and I'm looking at a culture shift. So the people who win those challenges, those people's ideas that go to the top, they come in to the innovation process and they work with us for the three or four weeks to actually get prototype A and B out the door um, and the pilots testing for, for the hundred or thousand people of each one of those tracks. Mm-hmm. So they, it's a reward for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's a culture shift. You've got to start to move away from, you know, the waterfall approach of development yep. software that takes X number of time to just a more agile approach, you know, using things like scaled agile framework 
uh, which, by the way, just released uh, 4.5. And 4.5 prior in in version 4, they actually talked a lot about um, innovation, but they never told you how to do it. And (laughs) 4.5 was a big structural around how do you do innovation. So they started to bring in the innovation funnel principles. And I think when when they come out with five, it's just going to be here's how you do innovation. And, of course, analytics is the is the biggest part to to make sure you're on the right track right great great um thank you so the last question i have for you before we wrap is um what final piece of advice would you give an analytics professional to help them understand how to apply data for innovation yeah i think the the main piece of advice that i need to give is that we just don't want to put all of the data scientists and all the analytic experts into a room and just ask them what's the data telling us. We mm-hmm. want to put some structure around that, but we also want to make sure that they're spreading that culture across the organisation and showing the ROI of what that group's providing. If they're continually staying in their own group, nothing's actually going to make it to production mm-hmm. and therefore there's no ROI and, of course, no one's going to see the value and the culture's going to stay the way it is. Mm. The culture has to shift IoT and the data sets that are coming in, especially in healthcare with all the devices um, that you have now uh, monitoring all different parts of your your body and di- diabetes management is no, no uh, exception to that. The, they're measuring, constantly measuring, and, and, and insulin pumps are doing their things, right? right. And they're, they're, there's so much data points coming out of that stuff and, and saying how, how that can change a life, right? So the why behind it, why are we doing what we're doing and, and making sure that we always tie it back to a specific customer value that we're coming out with. And anything, anytime you do anything to a customer value, you're going to get business value as well out of that. And I think that's really the goal here is process and make sure you focus on the customer value to take those data points to change people's lives. Got it. Got it. So to summarize um, some of your final pieces of advice for getting data applied um, within the innovation process, um, I extracted a couple things that I think you said, which is, first of all, enter the data conversations early to get that going early. Um, secondly, it, it should be a collaborative partnership, not just like this data geek coming over and elbowing his way to the Absolutely. table. It should be like a partnership or collaboration. Um, and these are not in any particular order. Um, third, you mentioned um, advocacy and sort of champion, you know, developing a set of champions that understand the value of data. Um, and then fourth is that value proposition period, mm-hmm. which is see what the data can actually do, see how it can perform, see how it can adjust the way you develop um, new ideas and get the innovation process moving. And just make those comparisons. Don't be afraid to, you know, take a look at um, how the data can benefit you. Yeah, and then the culture shift. Yes. Yeah, it's an important one. Yes, absolutely. So um, with, with that piece of advice or those advice points, hopefully um, our listeners will be able to embrace data within the innovation process more effectively. Absolutely. Thank you um, again, Navarda Smith, uh, for talking to us about analytics throughout the innovation lifecycle. Thanks for having me. It was, it was great. Thanks again for listening to the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Please connect with the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech via our website, And join my network on LinkedIn, Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center. Thanks again and have a great data set.